Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Joining us now to talk football is former all-white and uh, Phoenix player and Auckland City player, by more clubs than Tiger Woods type bloke, uh, Jacob Spoonley. G'day, mate. How you doing? Good, boys. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Good. And uh, the Phoenix getting back on the horse just at the right time, mate. I mean, it couldn't have been a better result against MacArthur, could it? Kept a clean sheet, got three points and secured uh, sixth place. They did. They finally secured finals football, Ricardo. They could have done this a long time ago, but their recent run of incredibly poor form has been that they've left it right up until midnight to sneak into the finals. And... I think sneaking is probably the wrong word, Ricardo, but it kind of feels like this team is not entering the finals uh, framework in quite the right state of mind at the moment. Right, the clean sheet was in there, but they looked vulnerable right at the end. And then outside of the goal for Zavada, the team didn't quite seem to click against the bottom of the table side in MacArthur. Hey, Jacob, uh, thanks for joining us this morning. Do, did it give you any confidence, the win against MacArthur, uh, MacArthur that they can go out and beat Adelaide on Friday night? <laughs> Thank you. It's a very different <laughs> proposition. Uh, so bottom of the table, MacArthur, a side that didn't have early Devia, um, and uh, a team that had basically written off the season, and the only motivation that they had was securing contracts for next year up against a pissed-off Adelaide United side. Adelaide United obviously lost earlier in the weekend against the Mariners. They themselves are hoping to secure a weekend off next week. And now the Wellington Central has to travel to Hindmarsh Stadium, Cooper Stadium, um, up against not only the best player in the competition in Craig Goodwin, but a team that has demonstrated the ability to rip opponents apart at home. Last time the Phoenix played Adelaide was about five weeks ago. It was the start of that horrible run of form. They lost 5-1 over there. They had no Oscar Zavada at the time, to be fair to them. And I talked to Ufuk Tale last week, and he said that even though uh, they lost 5-1, he said he didn't think the score reflected how the game went. Um, what do you make of those comments, and how close do you think the Phoenix can get? Yeah, look, I've probably been a bit um, negative in terms of the opening of this interview, mate, but um, that's how I'm kind of feeling about the season. I had them pinned as a team that would make it into the top four comfortably, and I feel like the team hasn't quite met those expectations. In terms of Ufi's uh, comments after the Adelaide game, I actually do agree with them. And if you look at the way in which this Phoenix team has matched up against Adelaide over the course of the season, they had a really comprehensive 3-1 win earlier in the season, and then they drew 2-2 to kick off the season when they really should have won. So that 2-2 draw is the start of the pretty depressing pattern where the Phoenix dropped points from winning positions. So although 5-1 was the result last time, I don't think the Phoenix will go to Hindmarsh bearing that sort of result again. I don't think we'll see a repeat. However, I did think that the Phoenix matched up very well against Wanderers, and Wanderers ripped them apart 4-0. <clears throat> um, so they need to be mindful that at the moment they're their own worst enemies. That's what it's going to come down to. If they can get Zavada firing, if they can find him through the likes of Barbarousas, 
uh, Sass and Ball, um, then they will look good. And if they get um, Bojadar Krayev back to form as well, they will be able to hurt Adelaide, who have at times demonstrated a weak centre. However, the concerning thing for me is how do you keep the likes of Craig Goodwin, um, Ibasuki, Erin Kunda all quiet over the course of 90 minutes when this Adelaide team has not only played with confidence this year, but as I said before, they are a bit of a wounded animal at the moment, having themselves not met expectations. Jacob, but it's 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 about reset, the reset, isn't it? Like you you struggle for the last six weeks, and then you go out, you secure this um, this point uh, against Macarthur. They'll get you into the semi-finals, isn't it? A reset now and a, about attitude. And when you're going over that ninety minutes with the likes of uh, Zawada back in the side. It's now semi-final time and, and it's do or die. You put everything on the table and you go out there and win it. Is that how you see it? That's exactly it, MP. I think the Wellington Phoenix, uh, they've gone through a phase. We heard that Ufi Tale during the week got players to confront each other about their poor performances, to hold each other accountable. Now, it feels like if that was successful, they've gone through this phase of reconciliation and now what they've got the ability to do is look forward to the finals and knowing that each 90 minutes stands alone. They need to go out and perform for 45, turn it into 90, and if they do that and they keep it tight, they will have that motivation to just get across the line with even the barest of margins, and in doing so, knowing that that is a win for them. Jacob, I do wonder that uh, with the timing of that bad run of form towards the end of the season came came around the same time as the club announced that Clayton Lewis, Stephen Yugarkovic and Oli Sale were leaving and also around the time that, you know, it was revealed that uh, Ufuk Tale was looking at other options. I, I've talked to many people in the club, players, coaches, etc. They all say there hasn't been a factor, but, I mean, surely that can't be a coincidence. Look, the players, as I understand it, the players um, knew about the potential moves for their colleagues and also that Ufi Tale was uh, thinking about moving on. And fair enough, Ricardo. He's had four seasons at the Wellington Phoenix. He really has got them to punch above their weight. Um, I think that the, the team knew about it a long time before it became public knowledge or there was rumour uh, going around. So I don't, like, you can't say that it affects them once it got out into the public sphere and it wasn't affecting them when they had that wonderful run of, I think it was nine or so results unbeaten. So I struggle with that. I don't Paul I has a very different take, but I genuinely think that um, this comes down to taking the next step. For me, the Wellington Phoenix have at times lacked maturity and a ruthlessness. Um, and for me, that's a mentality issue. I don't think you can necessarily mask it by saying, oh, it's the last dance, they haven't quite, um, uh, so they have been affected by uh, the potential exit at the end of the season. So I think that probably is a contributing factor, but it's been one that's been manageable. All right, mate, the other uh, semi-final this weekend, or the playoff game this weekend, is the Sydney Derby, West Sydney versus Sydney FC. Uh, how many cards do you expect in this one? Because I reckon it's going to be like the World Series of Poker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Western Sydney Wanderers do love playing bully ball, don't they? So they love to get aggressive at the back, led by that USC menace, Marcelo. Uh, loves grappling players and has done so throughout the course of the season, including our own Ollie Sale. This is going to be a game where I think Wanderers, they should probably win, but they're up against a team probably best suited to finals football, if I'm being honest, Ricardo. They've got the experience, they've got the pedigree, 
Uh, Sydney FC have obviously been a force throughout the, the duration of the competition. And then you combine that with the very fluid attack they've got up front in Mac, um, who's an absolute menace, and Joe Lolly, who's uh, probably just behind Craig Goodwin and Oscar Zavada in terms of the most impactful player of the season. So I think this is going to have fireworks. There'll be goals, but you're right. There'll also be moments where the referee's going to really need to manage the game and will be tested. Hey, Jacob, yesterday we saw uh, Satili Tupunui at the Warriors um, stay on for a shoulder charge. Just tell me, how did Diego Joga, um, uh, Jota, who scored the winner on the, uh, in the game for Liverpool this morning, stay on after his heat, heat kick of uh, Oliver Skip? So a little bit of context for the audience here, Kempi. Um, you would not have got up at 3.30 in the morning. And can you check across the uh, studio to see how many straws Ricardo's grasping at? Because he has absolutely cherry-picked an, an incredibly poor performance from Paul Tierney. Yes, I completely accept that Jota should not have been on the field after that. It was a dead-set red card. I've got no idea why VAR didn't intervene. But ask him how... Hoiberg and Skip also stayed on the field as well because they were horrific. Paul Tierney had a probably the worst game of the season from a refereeing point of view. He missed a lot. There were some poor calls and he got himself into all sorts of trouble by failing to manage Mason and Klopp, who were pretty poor on the sideline, I've got to say. Yeah, it, it does bring something up, Jacob. You mentioned there because you, you said, you know, Tierney had bad calls on the field. You can ex- you can accept that from referees from time to time, but when you've got VAR yeah. in your back pocket as a backup and a guy who can see everything from many angles and slow things down and re-watch stuff, there's no excuse for getting that stuff wrong, is there? I, this, is, this is the thing that I really struggle with, Ricardo, is that I'm a massive advocate for VAR being used in football. It is used in NRL, it is used in rugby, it is used in basketball, it is used in the NFL. So you need to have it in your back pocket because there are now millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars, on the line over the course of 12 months. Um, So I think you need to have accuracy and objectivity. Why we didn't see VAR intervene this morning is beyond me, and it speaks to this lack of maturity with the way in which football uses it. We don't know how it's supposed to be managed. We don't know when the fourth official, the fifth official, rather, is supposed to intervene. Why not just give the referee the opportunity to make the call on the field, having seen what he's seen in real time and then had the opportunity to compare that against different camera angles? I don't think the system is working at the moment, and that's really frustrating. Yeah, mate, I 100% agree. Uh, Really frustrating. We also saw when uh, Liverpool got the winner, obviously Klopp had had a few run-ins with Tierney uh, during the game, but he ran up to the fourth official, squared up to the fourth official in part of his celebration. Uh, he got yellow carded for that. We've seen, we've seen worse. You know, I saw a few people say, you know, it wasn't that much different to what Mitrovic did. Um, you know, I know Klopp pulled his hammy as well, which is going to rub salt into that wound. But uh, what did you make of the way he performed on the sideline? Um, look, I think he's got history with tyranny. And the other point that I have just seen, having looked at it online, is that this is the first time that an official has refereed seven games of a particular team. So um, Tierney, uh, this is like a rivalry between him and Klopp that has been stoked by the regularity of fixtures that he's been put in charge of involving Liverpool. That's not an excuse for behaving the way Klopp behaved on the sideline. And he himself has put his hand up and said, yep, fully deserved the yellow card and was lucky not to get something else. In terms of comparing it to what Mitrovic and Fernandez did during the course of the season, I think it's something that should have been punished more harshly. Um, is my gut reaction, and Klopp was very lucky not to get a red card. It's nowhere near putting your hands on an official, though, mate. And 
that's something that Fernandez in particular was very lucky getting away with earlier in the season at Anfield. And I would like to see a lot more punishment dished out when players do get... Um, I think what is, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm committing acrobats here, mate, but I think, having said this, I think um, Klopp probably could have looked at the suspension as well because you can't get in the face of officials. You definitely cannot lay hands on them. Yeah, especially uh, you're running sort of 10 metres to yell in his face uh, the way he did. Um, but more gymnastics than we uh, used to see on the goal line from you, Jacob, to be fair. Um, but before, <laughs> before I let you go... There's a real-time real time evolution of an answer there, Ricardo. <laughs> hey, before I let you go, though, mate, um, I've got to ask uh, Manchester City. Uh, Mark Ogden, who's a Manchester United fan and has written a lot of Manchester United stuff, uh, did a story on ESPN the other week and said that United are the only thing standing between City and a treble. Uh, for me, it, there's, there's a small matter of two games against a team called Real Madrid who have a bit of European pedigree that might get in the way as well. Um, who do you think is more likely to stop the treble? I think it's going to be Real Madrid, mate. Um, they're the team that is so well designed to take on opponents and to win the Champions League. And we've, we saw it over the last couple of seasons. They are a machine in that competition. Also, Ricardo, part two, United fans need to pipe down. Liverpool have had a poor season. Spurs have had a poor season. Chelsea have fucking fallen off. Sorry, Chelsea have fallen off a cliff. Um, so uh, I think United fans are starting to chirp a little bit. Third place or second place, wherever they're going to finish, um, I don't think that's necessarily enough for them to start getting involved in a conversation. They're probably still, still one or two years away. Yeah, all right. Good stuff, Jacob. Thanks very much for your time, brother. Go well. Have a great Love Monday. It. Cheers, guys. Have a good week. Ciao. Cheers. Jacob Spoonley there with us. 18 past seven here on SCNZ. This is Breakfast with Ricardo and Kempi. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance.